In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, greetings, everyone. Uh, Advent greetings to you. Our theme this year uh, for Advent and Christmas Tide is The Weary World Rejoices, uh, taken as a lyric from the hymn, O Holy Night, which we're going to sing on Christmas Eve uh, coming up this week. Uh, and uh, The Weary World Rejoices is our theme because um, 2020 has brought about a great deal of weariness, <laughs> has it not? Um, Advent 2020 has been perhaps, as my friend Emily McGowan has said, the most Adventy Advent we've ever Advented, uh, at least uh, maybe here in this country in our lifetime. Um, and what she means by that is that Advent isn't simply a season of kind of anticipating the warm fuzzies of Christmas. Uh, Advent is about facing our longings for things to be made right, things that are wrong to be made right. And 2020 has brought us face to face with all kinds of pain all kinds of injustice that we can't easily fix with money or technology. And thus, for many of us, it's producing an experience of suffering that is deeply unfamiliar. We have a pandemic that's already claimed the lives of over 300,000 Americans and brought about untold physical, mental, and emotional anguish for millions of people. Depression, anxiety, poverty are all on the rise. 2020 has brought about uh, a new awareness of a deeply entrenched culture of injustice and violence rooted in a centuries-old caste system that many of us are only now becoming, uh, be beginning to see more clearly. We're coming to see that the problems that uh, much of the rest of the world has had to deal with regularly throughout history are our problems too. And so the themes of Advent ring especially true for us this year. We long for God to come and set us all straight, to judge the world in righteousness so that justice can flow like a river, so healing can flow to the nations. And so in the midst of the weariness and the grief that 2020 has brought, in our trauma, in our suffering, in our longing for justice and healing, we proclaim this Advent, brothers and sisters, that God has not abandoned us but is present among us to keep his promises. Christ comes to us today to plant his word within us, to awaken hope that empowers us to joyfully proclaim his kingdom of justice and peace in defiance of the oppressive powers that think they rule the world. In Advent, we remember that Christ came to us over 2,000 years ago. We remember that Christ will come to us again to consummate his kingdom. But also today, we remember that Christ continually comes to us every day, every moment. And so today, let's learn from the Blessed Virgin how to open our lives to Christ's Advent today. That's our gospel passage, friends, that we read today, that Matt read for us, uh, the Annunciation, it's called. And the context in which uh, this passage takes place is the middle of hundreds of years of oppression and seeming silence from God for generations to the people of Israel. In the midst of that context, an angel is sent to a peasant girl in a nowhere backwater town on the edges of the Roman Empire to tell her that everything is about to change forever. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you, the angel says. Mary says, confused. She's distressed by what this might mean. Don't be afraid, the angel says. The Lord 
has shown his favor upon you. You're going to conceive. You're going to bear a son. He's going to inherit David's throne. He's going to reign forever over the house of Israel. And this is the promise. This is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to David in our second Samuel reading. You'll notice David says to God, I want to build you a house. And uh, in a beautiful act of irony, God says, how about I build you a house instead? It's essentially what he says. How about I build you a house? I'm going to create a dynasty for you. I'm One of your descendants is going to sit on the throne and is going to have a kingdom that will never end. And Israel has been longing for the fulfillment of this promise for generations. They've been sent off into exile because of their sins. And now they're back in the land, but they're under the boot of pagan overlords. Where is the inheritor of David's throne? They're crying out. Who will our Messiah be? And maybe in the back of their minds, has God maybe forgotten about us? Maybe none of those promises were true after all, or maybe God's given up on us. And so in the midst of hundreds of years, of these questions, poor, insignificant Mary receives a word from an angel of the Lord that it's happening now in and through her. You will bear a son. He's going to be the king that you've all longed for. How, Mary asks, I've never been with a man. The angel answers, the Lord will do it. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. And so the one to be born will be called Holy Mary, nothing is impossible for God. None of his promises can be thwarted. And in this astonishing word, we see an astonishing response from Mary, astonishing in its humility and in its courage. She consents. She opens her hands and her life to God. She trusts God to do his impossible work in and through her. Here am I, she says, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And even though Mary doesn't know how all of this is going to play out, she does know what it means. She knows what it means if God is coming to fulfill these ancient promises, and she sings about it when she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. And this is what comes out in her famous Magnificat. Um, this is the passage that um, the song uh, that Angie sang for us is based on. And this is Mary's song of joy about the implications of what it means when God comes to fulfill his promises to his people. She consents to receive God's life, and it grows into a song of hope that defies these powers that oppress and exploit her people. She joyfully and boldly proclaims that the fulfillment of God's promises means that God is smiling on those the world doesn't count as worth noticing. It means that the mighty one isn't demanding that great things be done for him, but instead is doing great things for the beat down and for the oppressed. That God is coming to their rescue just as he promised. He's showing mercy to everyone who honors him. It means that God is using his strength to scatter the proud and to defeat the arrogant. It means that God is hurling oppressive rulers down from their thrones and raising up from the dust the humble and the meek. It means that God is filling the hungry with the fat of the land. He's throwing them a feast. But the rich, he's sending them away with nothing. God is turning the world upside down. He's come to rescue his child, Israel. He's remembering his promise that he made long ago to our ancestors, to Abraham, and all of his descendants forever. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of our weariness and the grief that 2020 has brought us, in our trauma, in our suffering, in our longing for justice and for healing, 
we proclaim this Advent that God has not abandoned us, but is present among us to keep his promises. God comes to us today to plant his word within us and to awaken hope that empowers us to joyfully proclaim the coming of his kingdom of justice and peace in defiance of all the oppressive powers that still think they rule the world. So I invite you to think about what you're longing for today. What are you longing for today? In this most adventy of advents, we long for God to do what only he can do, to bring the fullness of his kingdom of justice and healing. We cry out for an end to a plague that's killed over 300,000 people in our country. We long for God to come and save us from the violence of white supremacy that has traumatized this land for generations. We long for true liberation and reparation to be made for native peoples who've had their land stolen, for black people who've had their bodies and their lives stolen. We long to be more tangibly involved in working for justice and we cry out for our imaginations to grow because they've been shriveled and co-opted by centuries of racism. We long for an end to the scheming of wicked rulers to exploit the weak and steal from the poor. We ache for loved ones who've been taken captive by conspiracy theories and ideologies that harm their souls and mute their capacity for empathy and for human connection. We long for relief from anxiety and depression that haunts so many of us and our loved ones. We long to see reconciliation and restoration in relationships that are strained and broken. <sighs> these are some deep longings, friends. And in the midst of these deep longings, I think our temptations are one, to rush out and try to accomplish these things in our own strength. That's the temptation of triumphalism. Or two, to give up hope and wallow in despair, the temptation of cynicism. Or maybe three, to numb our suffering through addictive behaviors, sarcasm, misplaced humor. Maybe this is the temptation of avoidance. But instead of triumphalism or cynicism or avoidance, let's allow Mary, this first century Palestinian servant girl, to be our teacher. Mary, the preeminent disciple. Despite her distress at the angel's visit, despite her confusion about how this is all going to work and play out, Mary humbly receives the word planted in her and makes space for it to grow into whatever it will, take whatever shape it will. May it be unto me according to your word, even though I don't get it right now. We too can learn to humbly receive and trust the good news that we hear from God, even when we don't see how it could be true or how it could possibly work. Rather than scoff or shrug or squint, we open ourselves to the good news. We say, amen. We say, that's right. We say, yes, Lord, even when, especially when we don't feel it. We can learn from Mary to just receive the word of the Lord and agree with it by proclaiming the amen. And also Mary teaches us this, in the midst of her confusion and fear when nothing has visibly changed or tangibly changed at all outwardly, nothing has changed. All she's done is gone to visit her sister or her cousin, her, um, her cousin Elizabeth. In the midst of that, Mary boldly announces the sure coming of God's kingdom to rescue the poor and to bring freedom to the oppressed. We too can do this, friends. We can joyfully and boldly proclaim the end of oppression 
even in the face of oppression. You hear this in the songs that uh, the civil rights movement produced. You hear this in the songs that the struggle in South Africa against apartheid produced. These defiant celebrations of freedom, even in the face of violence and oppression. Freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. This is one of them. Freedom is coming. Oh, yes, I know. Freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. Oh, yes, I know. And they would just sing that and sing that and sing that in the face of bombings and killings. They get in the streets and they just sing, freedom is coming. It drove their enemies nuts. <laughs> or the old African-American spiritual, Satan, your kingdom must come down. You guys know this one? Satan, your kingdom must come down. I heard the voice of Jesus cry, Satan, your kingdom must come down. This was sung by slaves who were being oppressed, and they'd hum it under their breath while they were being whipped, knowing that the reign of injustice would come to an end because God has come to save his people. We announce God's future as if it already happened, because it has, friends. Saying it matters. Singing it matters. Find some justice songs. Sing them at the top of your lungs, like Mary. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, in the midst of the weariness and the grief that 2020 has brought, in our trauma, in our suffering, in our longing for justice and healing, we'll proclaim this Advent that God has not abandoned us, but is present among us to keep his promises. God comes to us today to plant his word within us, to awaken hope that empowers us to joyfully proclaim his kingdom of justice and peace in defiance of all the oppressive powers that think they rule the world, confident that all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. What are you longing for today? Let us name these things in prayer. And let's ask God today for patience to allow his word to grow within us and for a defiant hope to joyfully proclaim God's kingdom. May the weary world rejoice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.